you want to learn about psychological growth without sorting through the jargon, you're in the right place. This is the Relational Psych Podcast. I'm your host, licensed therapist Tyson Connor. On this show, we learn about the processes and theories behind personal growth and experience a little bit of it ourselves. Join me twice a month for candid conversations about therapy and psychological concepts with real mental health professionals using understandable language and simple experiments that you can try yourself. Keep in mind, this podcast does not constitute therapeutic advice, but we might help you find some. And today, my guest is Dr. Bailey Hoey. Hey there. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Dr. Hoey is a therapist and postdoctoral psychology resident at Relational Psych. Mm -hmm. And today, we're going to be answering the question... How does executive dysfunction impact people with ADHD? Mm-hmm. So, how does executive dysfunction <laughs> impact people with ADHD? What a multifaceted question. I'm so excited to talk about it. Um, so, I'm, I'm really passionate about things around executive functioning with ADHD, and I really like to come at it from a standpoint of, of paying attention to how shame and like self-concept can be really impacted um, by understanding or not understanding how executive functioning issues might affect you, particularly if you have ADHD. Um, as we talk, we'll talk about how it can impact. It can come from all sorts of different sources, not just ADHD. Um, but starting off with just the idea of what is executive functioning. Yeah, that was going to be my first question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so executive functioning, it's a set of cognitive processes that help us self-regulate so we can effectively plan, prioritize, and sustain effort toward our long-term goals. So to to slow that down a little bit, <laughs> executive functioning, when you say a set of cognitive processes, what I'm hearing you say is that executive functioning is kind of a bunch of things that fall under that umbrella. Executive functioning is sort of a broad term that covers a bunch of things that we do with our brains. Cognitive functioning is like brain functioning. Exactly. You so, got it. And these are specifically things that help us uh, plan, prioritize, and like put our energy towards a certain goal or a certain activity. Yeah. So okay. this is all the stuff that makes us go from, I know I need to do this thing or want to do this thing to actually executing that gotcha. thing. Okay. Especially when it comes to not just short-term goals, but like with long-term things where there can be like so many steps involved. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those, all of those executive functioning processes are very helpful or necessary toward organizing ourselves to be able to get to the place we want to be. Gotcha. Yeah. So if we like, if we imagine you wake up in the morning and you look at your uh, like folded clothing that needs to be put away, like, and we think, ah, I should put away my folded clothes. Mm-hmm. Executive functioning is everything necessary to put away those clothes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Great. Also, the fact that they're already folded, I mean, like, that's handy. That's true. <laughs> and if you have helps. executive functioning issues, that already might be a win for the day. <laughs> that's Just having enough. them folded is, is, is enough. It might be. It might be. But that's a good example. Exactly. So what are some some specific things that fall under this broader category of executive function? What is, mm. what's, what's an executive function? So one executive function is something like just self-awareness, like being able to direct your attention toward yourself and what you're doing. Mm. Sometimes with executive functioning stuff, it can be really hard to 
like direct that attention toward yourself, or it can be really difficult to direct your attention elsewhere. You can get kind of stuck either paying far too much attention to like what you're doing or what, like what's happening inside your own head or your own body, or that you can get a little blind to it and get mm-hmm. preoccupied by other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's just one. Okay. But one thing that we already talked a little bit about just with the idea of like getting up and folding clothes is the idea of like self-motivation. So being able to like get up and do the thing you need to do, like the oomph that you need to Uh just like start something. Um, That's something where with some people, that's not that hard. They see a thing that they need to address or that they need to go get and they can get up and go do it. Right. If you have issues with executive functioning, just that that act of like the getting up to go do it can be Mm – so difficult and sometimes a little bit impossible for a while Mm. gotcha so self-awareness uh self-motivation these are a couple of executive functions Mm. are there more there are several more oh my (laughs) (laughs) a couple others have to do with working memory so that can be nonverbal working memory so like uh, visual imagery or like how you hold things in your mind like how you can manipulate information in your head so is that mm. is that what working memory is like so mm. working memory is that like that that sounds like that's different than like i remember what it was like to turn 10 like yeah. what's working memory working memory well i like to think about it is like what you're working with in the exact moment okay. of like the information that you want to be able to to draw from or work with in your head in the moment like being able to hold numbers in your head, like okay. not just like from looking at a piece of paper to typing it into your phone, but like having to hold those in your mind for a minute without forgetting about them. Gotcha. So when we use the word memory, we're often talking about like, I remember when I first met my partner, mm-hmm. right? And that's like a narrative memory. Mm-hmm. And working memory is more like what you just described, right? Someone mm-hmm. says the the door code is five two one, right? And then you don't have to double check the text message with the door code on it right. between getting out of the car and walking up to the door. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Another example could be almost just like holding like holding the image of someone's face in your mind for a moment. Oh. Like you meet someone new and like maybe that like their face like really sticks with you. Mm-hmm. Maybe other times it almost feels like you've forgotten what they even looked like or what someone was wearing or something just like two seconds later. Yeah. And so that's the idea where it might not just be information that can be numbers or it can be words or whatever, but it could be like images too. Sure. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Other ones also include like emotional regulation. So being able to like use words, use images, use self-awareness to process and, and I guess manage like emotional states. Mm. That's something that's a big part of, again, like that, that organization and regulation of, of how you're feeling. Interesting. So it sounds like emotional regulation is kind of like not one specific thing, but it's kind of the result of a lot of different executive functions working together. Is that hmm. is that true? I think that's fair. Yeah. And and that's just the ability to like have a big emotional experience without um having some kind of a meltdown or feeling too overwhelmed or mm. feeling a kind of like a being like dissolving inside. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so like if you do have more like difficulties with this this part of executive functioning, those emotions might feel really intense. And sometimes mm. that can be great to be able to feel your emotions that intensely. Sure. But also it can involve a lot of of burden or effort or exhaustion or difficulty mm-hmm. like figuring out how to how to like manage yourself in your day when you feel things so deeply. Gotcha. Mm. Okay. Uh any other 
executive functions that we should <laughs> make note of? Or Okay, two more, two more. Two more, okay. Uh, one is about inhibition. So being able to restrain uh, yourself, to be able to like delay gratification. Okay. Um, that can be something that gets difficult where... Like that, that impulsivity can come out. Yeah, that was the word that I had in my mm. head. Like when when people say they're impulsive, they might mm. have an executive function issue around their inhibitions. Exactly, exactly. Interesting. And that can be for different reasons too. I mean, when I think of someone with ADHD, sometimes it feels like that impulsivity is coming from that lowered inhibition. Mm. Other times, it might feel like, well, if they don't do it right now, then they're gonna forget or right. it'll never get done, and so that can look impulsive. But part of it is about that self-management of just like, well, you know, if I think of it now, I just have to do it now or else it'll never happen. Right. Okay. And then the last one that I'll bring up um, is about planning and problem solving. So how you come up Mm. with ways of doing things, how you can kind of like work with issues in your head to, again, like tease out all those different parts, all those different steps, reorganize, map out, like see how to address a problem. All of that, if there are like issues with executive functioning, can get really messy or difficult. And maybe you zero in way too much on all the details or it's hard to hold Mm -hmm. all those details in your mind at once. Mm -hmm. And so the process of actually planning out and sticking to steps of a plan can be hard. Gotcha. Okay. So... That's a lot of executive functions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if you have issues with that, watch out because yeah. it's impacting your whole day. <laughs> and and you say ADHD is, mm. I mean, that's in the question, right? Mm. Specifically about that. Are there other like things that can impact executive functions besides mm. ADHD? Yes, absolutely. So other things where I guess in kind of like a more like chronic or long term way, like with mm. ADHD, like if you have issues with executive functioning, you can learn how to manage. But like that's you know, that's like kind of how your brain works. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so similar with that, it can be it can be really similar for folks with autism um, to also experience difficulties, difficulties with executive functioning like that. Mm. Um, and then as well with learning disorders, uh, with like physical trauma to the prefrontal cortex, that can be an issue because a lot of those executive functions are really involved in like prefrontal cortex area of the brain. So prefrontal cortex for our listener, the prefrontal cortex is a specific area of the brain mm-hmm. that's basically right behind your forehead. Mm. So what I'm hearing you say is like if someone has a concussion from playing football and they smash their helmet into someone in a way that you're not supposed to, and they end up getting like damage to mm. that part of their brain, then that can cause executive function issues. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so then other things kind of, again, in that same line, there can be concerns with like in vitro exposure to substances mm, as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then more in like the, the possibly long-term, possibly short-term kind of like as with as much of as these like disorders or conditions are present in your life, um, anxiety and mm, depression mm, can mm-hmm. also really impact executive functioning. Yeah. Um, and then also with trauma. And so with maybe uh, more of a, uh, a trauma in, in adulthood, maybe those issues might be more temporary mm-hmm. when it comes to like complex trauma from childhood. Those issues might be more long term. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it can often be present in all those kinds of things. Yeah. So it's, it sounds like pretty much pretty much anything that impacts a uh, uh, brain <laughs> and how it works <laughs> or in the mind and how it works can impact executive functions. Yeah. What yeah. are some common ways that executive dysfunction shows up? Hmm. So 
well, some of these some of these ideas might feel a little vague, but just the idea of like b- difficulty beginning to start a task. Mm-hmm. So, like mm-hmm. I said earlier, mm-hmm. like it's like you see something across the room that you need to get up and go get. Like just that act of like getting up and getting it. Like the the idea of initiating that task can be really hard, or doing the dishes, or starting a paper, or right. whatever. All of those things can be made making more a phone difficult. call. Making a phone call absolutely <laughs> might also be a little impacted by the anxiety. Sure, or sure, sure, sure. Hate of making phone calls, but mm. um, and then issues around like time blindness. So like the idea of like almost not having like a really solid like internal clock where like you know how much time has passed or you know how close you're getting to a thing that you need to do that can be difficult where like you might notice that like a lot of folks with ADHD they might set themselves like a million alarms and a million reminders sure so you can have more like external markers of time passing Mm -hmm. because it might be hard to like hold that in your brain unless you go with like a constant awareness of the time which can lead to like a lot of anxiety Interesting. And difficulty like doing anything else because like your whole brain is just set on trying to remember how time is passing. So sometimes what I'm hearing you say is that sometimes somebody with ADHD, for example, might have time blindness mm. where they just that their internal clock doesn't tick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so they'll either need to have a lot of external reminders that they set up to mm. track time for them outside of them, or they develop this anxiety and this mm. kind of hypervigilance, mm. um, which our listeners should be familiar with. We've talked about hypervigilance as a category, just as a brief reminder. Uh, hyper meaning too much, vigilance mean looking out. So just a lot of energy and anxiety around keeping track of time mm. um, and checking in on it, almost as a way to try to offset that lack of an internal clock. Yeah, kind of like an overcompensation. Gotcha. But it yeah. takes up so much of your time. And a lot of these things, like with executive dysfunction, like you'll notice that either you can kind of develop like external systems to help you, or you develop like a lot of hypervigilance mm. around like the issue. Yeah. Or I guess third option, maybe you like learn not to care or something like that. <laughs> maybe, but like that seems hard. I don't know. <laughs> maybe some people go that route early on. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Always an option. Yeah, yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but other things that might kind of come up with executive dysfunction um, might have like if if you're in school, like difficulty like organizing your schedule or like organizing just your materials, maybe you might be more apt to like lose track of things, like just like where you put your stuff. Sure. Um, or like what you need to do, or lose you might your overestimate. Keys, lose your phone. Right. Lose your papers, lose whatever, and then you're scrambling trying to find it, or it's just lost and you're never gonna find that again. And you also said like uh, a not correctly estimating how long it will take to do things maybe yeah, yeah yeah so often you can like really overestimate like how like how much you can get done in like mm. the span of i don't know an hour five hours whatever yeah and part of that might have to do with that kind of time blindness of like i don't i don't know how long each individual task is going to take me it might also have to do with kind of a bit of that overcompensation of well, I feel like I should be able to do like this amount of things. And so I'm going to promise to do that amount of things. But realistically, there's like no way. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like the awareness of how unrealistic that is might be hard to access sometimes. Right. Um, when you're just kind of going according to maybe like what you think you need to be doing. Right. So like intuitively, without mm-hmm. without sitting down and putting effort into it, mm-hmm. your assumptions about what's required will just be way off. Yes. And so again, there's this issue of needing to compensate in some way, and that takes effort. Yes. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Exactly. Another area that executive functioning issues might impact or like how it might look is trouble soothing intense emotions. Mm. Um, So like we talked about earlier with that emotion regulation piece, if you do have these difficulties, being able to soothe yourself, like when you do experience something rather intensely can be really difficult to do. And not only can it be really difficult to actually manage, it can feel really embarrassing or confusing mm-hmm. at the same time which can add just like another layer of difficulty regulating because it can sure. feel like not only am i struggling to like manage this i'm also now maybe directing some self-criticism my way or mm-hmm. concerned about what other people are thinking or whatever sure when i'm having this big feeling and it's really hard to kind of like be with it or like maybe difficult for it to pass mm-hmm mm-hmm um, and then another one is around, um, oh, what's it called? Regulating impulses. There we go. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but being able to regulate those impulses again with that issue with, with inhibition, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that impulsivity can really come out where you have the urge to do something or another. And one, again, like since task initiation can be hard, if you do have an actual urge to do something, it can be very satisfying to actually like follow the urge to go do that thing when often it feels like those urges that maybe you feel like other people experience, like you don't get those as much. Mm. And so it can have a lot of satisfaction of like, oh, like I feel like I have that motivation. I have that pull, that drive to actually go do this thing. And so I want to do that thing. Yeah. But sometimes those things can get in the way of our other priorities or they're not actually what we need to do. Mm -hmm. And that can be rough too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I could. Yep. Yep. Um, and then like one more example is struggles with kind of efficiently shifting attention back and forth between different kinds of information, different kinds of tasks. Right. So, so so this is making me think about the idea of multitasking mm. and like, as far as I'm aware, all the research I've seen seems to indicate that multitasking isn't actually a thing that human beings can do consciously. Mm -hmm. Like our conscious mind doesn't actually have the capacity to be doing multiple things at once, Mm. but it does have the capacity to shift between multiple things quick enough Mm. that it kind of seems like we're doing multiple things at once. Mm. Is that kind of like what you're talking about? Is that ability? I think in a way, in a way, yes. Like where shifting between different kinds of tasks or different kinds of information, that that process where maybe for some people it can happen so quickly that it just looks like they're doing two things at once. Uh For folks with ADHD or like for folks that just have issues with executive functioning stuff, that switching might be much more difficult or might involve a lot more effort, Mm -hmm. especially when like those two things, maybe they don't have anything to do with each other. Uh, And part of it can be again, like rooting back to that like issue of, of task initiation. So it feels like starting something new. It might feel like starting something new every time. Gotcha. And so there's so much effort involved in that, that it can be really hard to like get your mind to be comfortable with doing that level of shifting where it might be easier to like really stick with one thing for a while, like if you can get into it. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if you do know someone with ADHD or you do have ADHD, like you might notice that maybe they like fidget with stuff a lot or they're like doing other things as you talk to them. And so in some way it might be like, well, it looks like they can multitask, but for things that are like relatively mindless. Mm-hmm. So doing something with a fidget, I don't know, putting clothes away while you talk to somebody. Sure. If you don't really have to think about it, it can really satisfy that, like the restlessness that can come up. Sure. And so you can still be paying just as much attention, uh-huh. but it 
in that way, it's almost like there's not really a shifting happening. Uh-huh. It's like mindlessly working with your hands or something right. to like regulate that kind of energy that's in your body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but that can be really different from if you're at work and you need to shift from like one task, if you're working on, well, I mean, like for me, you know, prepping an outline for a podcast and then responding to an email or writing a note or whatever, right. like all of those things can feel like really different tasks in your head. And mm-hmm. so interrupting one to do the other can feel really well, can feel like a big disruption. Yeah. And it sounds like it also, um, if you're like, if you're halfway through an email and then you get a text message from someone and then you need to respond to that, it sounds like it, when you go back to the email, you don't pick up where you left off emotionally. It, the experience of it is the experience of starting over. Yeah. And not, that's if you remember to go back to the email. Right. Because right, if, if you've you shifted that out, in your mind. <laughs> exactly, yeah, with working memory stuff, that might yeah. be really hard to do because you've now shifted out. And so shifting back in, it often doesn't happen fluidly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's talk about executive dysfunction and shame. Mm. You, you, you mentioned this at the top that like this is something we're going to get into today. Mm-hmm. How are these things... How do these things interact? What's going on with executive dysfunction and shame? Yeah. So I feel like this is such a rich topic. Um, whether you have, again, like I'm, I'm talking at it from a more ADHD sort of lens, but like we already mentioned, it can happen with so many other conditions too. But again, from ADHD lens, if you were diagnosed as a youngster or an as an adult, you might have different, maybe a different view of yourself or like how these certain things developed. But I think where shame can really come in with executive dysfunction is a lot of the confusion around it of going, why is this, this or this so hard for me? Mm. Why is this, this or this taking so much effort? Mm -hmm. Or why does it feel so impossible when other people seem to just do it without even thinking? Mm. Like I'm exhausted or I can't or I'm messing up here or maybe you get maybe you get feedback from from teachers, from parents, from friends. And a lot of this can, I think, happen a lot in like formative years, which is why I kind of call back to teachers, parents, friends at that age, um, where maybe as an adult, maybe you don't get as like uh, direct criticism (laughs) as Uh you do as a kid. But if you do receive those kind of messages as a kid, it can really it can really cause some trouble with that internalization of Mm. that shame of like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just do this? Why can't I just do this? Like, how, how can I even accomplish these things when it feels so impossible? Yeah. I'm thinking about, about something that happened to me recently, actually, where I had a day where I was just feeling awful. Like my body felt bad. I felt like I'd been punched in the face, just felt awful. And I was uh, trying to t- take care of my kid. And usually when I'm hanging out with her, I can like d- get other stuff done, right? I can get back to people and do emails and I can prepare dinner and I can like, while also attending to the needs of a child, mm-hmm. right? I can usually do both. But this day I just, I just couldn't, I just, it was one or the other. And so, you know, kid takes priority. So like a bunch of stuff I was supposed to do didn't get done. Mm-hmm. And I felt awful about it. And I felt bad about it. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the day, I was talking to someone about how I was feeling. And they were like, Tyson, that sounds like a sinus infection. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, huh? 
<laughs> and all of a sudden, the the shame I'd felt about not doing the dishes and not making the dinner I was planning on making and doing like a quick frozen like thing that I just threw on a skillet instead, kind of um, lost a lot of power because now I could explain it. Right? Yeah. There was a reason why yeah. I wasn't just broken. I wasn't just yeah. lazy. I was sick. Mm-hmm. I was physically ill. Yeah. It's not a one-to-one comparison, but it, it sounds, it, it, it came to mind as you were describing I this process. I think that's a great example. I think yeah. it's a great example because there is so much power in going, oh, that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't take away the struggle. It doesn't sure. take away like the loss of being able to like do what you wanted in your day. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't take away any of like the effects of all of that, but it does take away or at least kind of take away the impact of that shame, the criticism, the self-judgment, the the labeling of like, yeah, my my broken and my defective and my lazy, mm-hmm. like all of those things that rattle around your head when you're already struggling. Yeah. So it doesn't take away the struggle. But it takes away at least a layer of it. Right. Which I, I will bring. I mean, I love a good Brene Brown quote once in a while. Hell you know? yeah. And so this one, I, while she's not talking about executive dysfunction, I've claimed it. Um, <laughs> she says, what we don't need in the midst of struggle is shame for being human. Mm. So if you already experience executive dysfunction, like that already sucks enough. Yeah. Like, like that's enough for that's enough for one day. Like, that's already uh-huh. really hard, and it will impact your day. And understanding it, yeah, it doesn't take it away, but at the very least, it can maybe impact that that layer of like sometimes like self hatred or right again like the the confusion can be so big of just not knowing what's going on yeah and not knowing how to address it or how to care for yourself in it yeah because you can get really caught up in the criticism and in the confusion where you don't you can't really move through it to go like realistically what do i need right now mm-hmm. like how do i work mm-hmm. with this like is it, if this is an issue in my life and if this is something that's hard for me in my life like how do i accommodate myself like, how do I build supports around these things? Right. Instead, we can get really caught up in just like, gosh, like I'm such a loser or like I'm such a disappointment or uh-huh. what's wrong with me and never, never move into like, what do I do about it? <laughs> how right. can I help myself? Yeah. 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 Oh, I had a thought. Where'd mm. it go? Mm. There's there's some executive dysfunction. There's that working memory there. Oh, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, I got yeah. this. I got this. Oh yes, I remember now. So in in my story about like my uh, my my uh, sinus infection, mm. right? I went most of my day without realizing what was going on, and I had all these like stories I was telling myself about like I'm just not I'm just not feeling it today. I'm just not. I just am not putting in the effort, right? And I imagine that when you take that same kind of idea and apply it to a lifetime, Mm. right? If you're a kid and there's no one around who's paying attention to your executive functions and helping you make sense of them and you don't get diagnosed with ADHD until you're an adult or whatever, Mm. then I imagine that's a lifetime's worth of stories you've been telling yourself that might add up to... Not not the best self-image. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. I think that's one area where obviously not only can just like personal self-reflection be great, 
But I mean, as a therapist, I go, ooh, that's something that would be so great to like address in like a deep way in mm, therapy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But again, you know, you don't have to. Sure, but sure, I think sure. it'd be great. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yes, like it can really, really impact like this very overarching way of understanding yourself and seeing mm. yourself that can be so cloaked in the confusion, in the judgment, in the worry about how everyone else is perceiving you and like how you're never like never matching up, never caught yeah. up. And it can be so anxiety provoking. Often also like why like ADHD can be, at least from this lens, you know, like really linked to other like mental health concerns. Mm, Like if you mm -hmm. have a lifetime of that, if you're anxious as hell, that might make a lot of sense. Yeah. (laughs) Or if you have a really hard time like looking at yourself with with compassion or grace, like that might make a lot of sense. Yeah. And so if you don't, if you don't really have this idea of like, oh, like I experience executive dysfunction, if that's not woven into your life narrative, it's like a way of understanding your experiences, then there can be so many gaps of like, what was going on there? I don't yeah. know. I'm going to fill in those gaps with with what my mom said about it or what my teacher did or like whatever. When yeah. like, they probably didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Do you notice some common, like, what are some common stories Mm. that people will come up with or common themes that you notice that people use to fill the gap Mm. that that maybe a listener might be carrying around with that you might want to, like, draw some attention to? I think, like, certain certain words of how to describe yourself is something that I notice to be really common. Like, there's a couple that, like, happen over and over again. One of them is lazy. Mm. Like, that, that idea of... Well, I just didn't do it because I didn't want to, Hmm. even though the person who says that they don't really believe that, but they don't have any other way to understand it. Right. Or like, I'm just undisciplined. Hmm. Like, I just, I just can't do that. Like, I can't discipline myself that way. Like a lack Uh of willpower or a lack of self-control. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, that's just what I've always been told. And like, those words can really stick and really sting and be carried around for a long time. Yeah. But other ones can also be like, being selfish or being uncaring Mm. like when you think of the kid who like couldn't remember to like do the chore he was tasked with or whatever like maybe one of the parents is like what are you doing this on purpose like what like like be a i don't know you know the criticism be a member of the family like right like that can be really hard where it's like i know like i do care Mm -hmm. but there might be a lot of like well, no, like you're, you're too focused on you or you don't care enough to remember mm, or things mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, it's not about an issue of a lack of caring. It's, it's well, in that example, maybe forgetfulness or distractibility. Right. right. But then also sometimes maybe issues of like actually, actually getting that thing mm. like up and up and going too. Yeah. And these things are framed as kind of moral failures. It sounds like. Yeah. I'm thinking yeah. of people I've known who um, were were diagnosed with ADHD as adults and um, in the lead up to their diagnosis had this obsession with like developing habits. Like mm. they were like, I just got to figure out how to form habits. I got to mm. form healthy habits. And like, they just couldn't do it. They had books on it and they listened to podcasts about it. And they were like, if I can just figure out how to f- develop these habits, mm. then I'll be better. Yeah. And then they got diagnosed and then like, that obsession with forming habits kind of went away Mm. and it, it, a lot of that energy went instead to like 
finding healthy ways to cope and healthy mm. ways to manage things, some of which looked an awful lot like habits, mm. but it became a less of this, like, I just need to do this for 30 days and then it'll be stuck in my mind. Right. It's like, no, that's not how your mind works. Yeah. <laughs> your mind doesn't have that sticky piece to it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, gosh. Yes, that is so, that's so true. Oh, the sticky piece. If only. That'd be, like, so handy. Sure. But... But yeah, that that but that that idea of trying to make habits if you just do it enough mm. then it'll stick around forever and you'll have a way of managing that's fine. Meanwhile, what can often be so important for people with ADHD is like maybe finding like finding rhythms and like systems of working, uh-huh. but also like kind of just attuning to what already might be working for you that you've maybe been fighting against sure there can be a lot of things where like when you don't know what's going on and you feel like well like that's not how other people do things like i should i need to be able to do it the way that i see other people doing it you might fight against things where like certain ways of being might come more naturally to you right and so there can be this process of giving some permission to pay attention to like like what what feels more natural to me? Like what actually is easier mm-hmm. or like, how do I remove obstacles in my life where, yeah, like it's true. Maybe some other people like don't, maybe they can manage those obstacles just fine, but yeah. like maybe those need to get tossed out of the way for you. But then yeah. also the idea of like, even if I do find like certain systems of working, if I, even if I do find like certain rhythms that come naturally for me, if you have ADHD, those things are probably going to quit on you at some point. Right. Maybe in a couple weeks, maybe in a couple months. Uh huh. Uh huh. But like, if you find a way where you're like, oh my gosh, like this is efficient, this is working for me, it's moving. Like one day, it's it's as if it breaks or something. Yeah. And it's devastating. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but it's real, and so yeah. that's that part of like again, like addressing shame doesn't get rid of like the very real struggle. Yeah. Like experiencing like the loss of like a system that was working for you is like kind of scary yeah and it can be really painful and maybe disorienting of like oh gosh like that was working for me and i kind of oriented my life around that shoot like i gotta figure out something new or kind of like be in a place where maybe it doesn't work for me for a while Mm. maybe it will again later Mm -hmm. it's stressful yeah yeah but like the idea of these long-term habits where like once you get them built they're stuck and like they'll they'll be consistent with you forever Uh uh-uh yeah nope you 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 mentioned loss a second ago and i was mm. thinking about that like thinking about these these stories that that we can tell ourselves and that that people with adhd or executive dysfunction can like internalize mm. and how like coming to realize the things that you're carrying around can cause a, a fair amount of loss it sounds like or, or yeah. experience of grief yeah. of like oh man i've been trying really hard and like i thought that what's wrong was me but like mm. no i haven't been what's wrong this whole time and man i i lost 30 years of my life mm. trying to get myself to fit into a box that would never fit me mm. and and i'm also hearing in what you're describing the importance of being being realistic and like mm. being ready to to like be impacted by this again mm. and to know that like you'll find solutions that will work well enough long enough and eventually you'll find have to find new ones and that change that reaction it's not something that you're going to find a fix for right i'm thinking about um somebody who who i i know who uh was dealing with some issues like this and we were talking about it and one of the things 
that we talked about was like, if the plan that you're making relies on you becoming a fundamentally different person for it to work, Hmm. maybe that's not the best place to put your energy. Yep. (laughs) And, and that was like a kind of a a playful thing to say, but there was some grief connected to it. Yeah. Cause so many of this person's plans were actually built on the idea that, well, I'll just be better. Mm. And like, that's not what it's about. It's not about being better. Mm. It's about managing the reality of what you're working with. Yeah. But so much of that does have to do with, in a way, like kind of letting go of maybe some fantasies Yeah, that were maybe really containing or maybe you found hopeful. Mm-hmm. Well, I would imagine those are kind of a double-edged sword, right? Hopeful, sure. but also like limiting you and like what you actually get to accomplish or how, how realistic you can be. Right. And it feels like that, like the aspect of being realistic and the the grief that comes along with that mm-hmm. before it, after it involved in it yeah. all the time, like mm-hmm. that pairing is really important. Yeah. Like the grief of, of the big things, right? Like those big realizations of, of time lost or how you could have been living, how you could have been working with yourself, whatever. But then also of the idea that like of this magical fix mm-hmm. of like, mm-hmm. maybe if I just did X, Y, or Z, like everything would change or I wouldn't have this like difficulty anymore. Yeah. Versus like facing the reality of like, oh, like this is this is part of like how my brain works. Yeah. Like that's hard. That's yeah. really hard. Yeah. And, and, and I can see how being working through some of those feelings with a therapist, especially one who's a little bit informed about mm. like neurodiversity yeah, yeah. in particular, might be really helpful mm-hmm. uh, because it it it's helpful to have someone who's who's able to be with you to grieve yeah. some of those expectations and of what life was like mm-hmm. and having being informed about neurodiversity might help them from thinking or agreeing with some of the things that you're grieving of like yeah you know you can fix yourself you really can and it's like well like, wait 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 no uh, no really not helpful i think that's a really really good point yes because yeah. i mean yeah some people when they're not as informed whether it be a therapist or again like other people in your life if they don't know about these sorts of things, they might very unintentionally repeat uh, those things that have wounded you right. <laughs> like over life or like reinforce messages that you're trying to deconstruct, yeah. which can be really hard. Yeah. yeah. I would say that's important too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if someone's listening to this and is thinking like, okay, this sounds like me, mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about executive functions. We talked about what the dysfunction could look like. Mm-hmm. This sounds familiar. Um, they're, they're listening to our conversation about grief and maybe they're tearing up right now. And now they're thinking, okay, but what do I do mm. <laughs> if I've accepted that's, you know, first step, if I've accepted <laughs> that this is who I am, this mm. is the brain I have, what do you recommend next? Mm. I would say, oh, this is going to sound dumb, but alongside that recommendation to like talk to a therapist about this stuff to get into it deeper, like we have a whole little article on our blog about like TikTok and like, you know, uh-huh. how that can work with ADHD stuff. And in that blog, you will find that I say maybe it's not the best for self-diagnosis, but I will turn around right now and say it is awesome for ideas. Ah. <laughs> it is awesome for ideas of kind of like breaking out of maybe a lot of the rules that you've placed on like how you function in your day, sure. how you envision quote unquote, you know, normal people or whatever to function in their day, the limitations that you might place on yourself where you don't 
let yourself like find more creative ways of working with yourself, Mm. creative accommodations, those kinds of things. Like I would say TikTok and Reddit have awesome ideas for just like breaking open the mold of how you can help yourself in your day. And so, I mean, maybe TikTok isn't the exact recommendation, but just considering (laughs) considering how you can break the mold, how you can break those rules and be more creative and how you care for yourself. That's not just limited by the the shoulds or right. by by the shame. Yeah. Taking taking a step or two away from TikTok specifically, <laughs> what I'm hearing you say more broadly is try to be creative about what adapting could look like. Yeah. And yeah communities where other people have already started some of this work can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. We we have talked before on this podcast about how, you know, Dr. Google says we all have cancer and Dr. TikTok says we're all autistic, right? Like, (laughs) uh, you know, like for diagnosis, it can can be a little uh, Mm -hmm. too too general. Um, But for for community, mm. for connection, mm-hmm. for understanding, for relatable memes. Yes. <laughs> There's lots of places on the internet, uh, you know, hashtags on Twitter or Tumblr or mm. or subreddits or mm. TikTok trends like, I don't know, I'm not on TikTok, so I don't know what those are called. <laughs> but uh, spaces where there are other people who have done the work of accepting, mm-hmm. who aren't going to try to fix you, but are, are going to offer like, hey, here's a thing that works for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll work for you too. Yeah. Sounds like that can be helpful, not just for like the practicality of having a skill or an adaptation, but also to feel a little bit less alone. Yes, absolutely. To be able to connect with those people where you go, oh my gosh, you get it. Yeah. Like other people might never have that understanding of like, something feeling so impossible when you actually want to do something. Right. And then you go on TikTok, you go on Tumblr, you go on whatever, and someone is like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <gasps> so relieving, so satisfying. Yeah. Just go, oh, thank God. But also, like, to be able to see those ideas that people come up with and hold them with open hands. Like, it's so sure. individual and so personal. And like we already covered, if that thing does work for you for a second, it might not for long. And right. that can be very discouraging, but also just knowing that. Right. It can maybe help, again, with, like, that that rhythm of, like, all righty, like, this is going to ebb and flow. It's going to come in waves. Mm-hmm. But as I maybe gather resources and people around me, whether it's through online platforms or, like, you know, gathering around your little other like neurodivergent friends yeah, or support groups or uh-huh. things like that. There can be so many other ways of finding both connection and the, that, that creativity yeah. that you need to be able to, to cope and manage. Yeah. Awesome. Bailey, mm. thank you for coming on to this podcast. This has been a fascinating conversation uh, and hopefully the first of many, I feel like there's, mm this could open the door to just a lot of other topics that our listeners could be interested in. Listener, if you are interested in it, feel free to let us know. Shoot us an email or something. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I would say, I mean, I did already plug it earlier because I'm loving it. Check out our blog. Mm-hmm. Um, we have articles on a whole host of different topics, but we are also kind of rolling out more ADHD-focused ones as well. Great. I believe we already have one published that I mentioned about, about uh-huh. ADHD and TikTok. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, check it out. Yeah. And this episode will likely come out in, like, May. So there will oh, probably, then be, more probably then. be more. Probably be more. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe, like, three or four more. Awesome. And are you writing all of those or are other people... You know what? I don't know. I've written several of them. Wow. I don't know. Cool. Actually, we already have some on ADHD that have been published by others. Yeah. 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 
Cool. Do you have any uh, experiment or further learning that you'd recommend for our listeners if they want to have some experience of what we've talked about or are just curious and want to learn more? Yeah, I would say like reflect on how that breaking the rules, right, quote unquote, breaking the rules of those daily functioning aspects might help you find more workable ways of caring for yourself that aren't so maybe burdened by mm. by by shame or by shoulds um, yeah. but start getting creative and just just try stuff out yeah just notice the ways that the rules that we follow might not be realistic to the minds that we have exactly that sounds like fun mm-hmm. i think so and do you have recommendations for specific books youtube videos anything like that if people just want to like learn more they are curious about this oh you know what? Actually, there is one book that comes to mind. Um, it's called the oh, – I won't be able to plug it properly, though. It's called the Neurodivergent Workbook. Oh. Um, and it's something that can actually be really great as an adaptation of of DBT skills. Interesting. Um, but in a way that's much more friendly, yeah. right? Neurodivergent friendly. Yeah. Um, and can also really involve like sensory needs. Um, and so it's awesome. And I do not remember who wrote it, but it's really great. I love it. I, I oftentimes re-record these sections. There's a chance this might not even be in the episode. Right. And if it is, uh, listener, uh, whoops, you caught me talking about behind the scenes stuff again. <laughs> and um, there we'll have a link to that in the show notes with the proper citation and then the author. And who knows, maybe my voice will come in with a very different audio quality right now with the <laughs> author's name. Let's pause and wait for that. Sunny Jane Wise. Lovely. Thank you, Tyson. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> uh, <woo. clears throat> Dr. Hoey, thank you so much for coming in today. This has been a lovely conversation. Tyson, thank you so much for having me. I'll see you again soon, I'm sure. Good. <laughs> Special thanks to Dr. Bailey Hoey. Dr. Hoey can be found at Relational Psych. Links to one of the blog posts that Dr. Hoy mentioned are in the show notes, as well as a link to a full, free, I'm pretty sure legal, PDF of the Neurodivergent Friendly Workbook of TBT Skills, which Dr. Hoy mentioned earlier in this episode. The Relational Psych Podcast is a production of Relational Psych, a mental health clinic providing depth-oriented psychotherapy and psychological testing in person in Seattle and virtually throughout Washington State. If you are interested in psychotherapy or psychological testing for yourself or a family member, links to our contact information are in the show notes. If you are a psychotherapist and would like to be a guest on the show, or are a listener with a suggestion for someone you'd like us to interview, you can contact me at podcast at relationalpsych.group. The Relational Psych Podcast is hosted and produced by me, Tyson Connor. Carly Claney is our executive producer, with technical support by Sam Claney and Allie Ray. Our music is by Ben Lewis. We love you, buddy.